In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Um, my name is Father Matt. I'm one of the priests here at the table along with Father Spencer and Father Ben, who is away on leave. He's not AWOL. He's just uh, preaching at another church today, uh, one of our sister churches in Chicago for their Zoom service. It's good to be with you. This is the second week of Advent. Our theme for Advent is a weary world rejoices. Yes, that was weary world rejoices. And this is from the hymn, O Holy Night, that uh, beloved hymn that many of us know and cherish and sing in the shower. You know who you are. And the line from the hymn today that is the theme for our sermon is, For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Today we're speaking about the comfort and the discomfort of the wilderness. Hear the good news from our readings today. We proclaim the incarnation. Yonder breaks the new and glorious morn of the birth of Jesus. But here and now, friends, as we sit, as we ready ourselves to behold the dawn, we sit in a dark wilderness between the heartbreak of the past and the hope of the future lies the hard work of wildernessing in the present. Mark chooses to begin the good news of Jesus Christ in his gospel by quoting from Isaiah 40. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Now in Isaiah 40, the cry in the wilderness was a call to return to the promised land. The Jews were living in Babylon. They've been carried away into exile. Isaiah 1 through 39 is the story about how they got there and why they're there and the judgment on Israel for her sins. But then in what's commonly referred to as second Isaiah, because it's such a stark contrast to the first 39 chapters, Isaiah 40, there's a voice and the voice shouts comfort. Notice friends in Isaiah 40, the wilderness is a comfort to exiles living in Babylon. It's a safe haven. It's a passageway from exile to home. The external threat of Babylon was left behind for the comfort, the relative safety of the wilderness. That's Isaiah. Now Mark begins the story of Jesus with these words from Isaiah, calling to mind that context, calling to mind that situation for the people of Israel, which is striking because in Mark's day, the Jews were actually living in the promised land. Unless, unless Israel under Roman rule and Romans ruling through wealthy Jewish political puppets, unless that was exactly like living in Babylon, then it's not weird at all. Then Mark is calling to mind one historical context to make sense of Jesus's present and Mark's present. You see what Mark is doing 
the way of beginning his gospel, which was probably written during the war between Rome and Israel in the late 60s. What he's doing is prophetic. He's saying that Israel in Jesus's day, living in, in the promised land was like Israel and Babylon. Woo, estranged from the promise, languishing, oppressed, homesick, harassed, under judgment even. So then notice what the wilderness becomes in Mark. In Mark, to head out from the promised land to the wilderness, it's risky. It's a gamble. You're leaving the familiar and the known into an unhosp inhospitable, dangerous, arid, barren, lonely place. In Isaiah, the wilderness is a comfort, but in Mark, the wilderness is a crucible. It is a place of repentance, of ways of living that are oppressive and abusive, but it also signals deliverance. The discomfort of meeting John in the wilderness, John the Baptist, left behind the internal temptations of living in an occupied promised land for repentance and new life. So the wilderness then in scripture brings comfort, Isaiah 40, and discomfort, Mark 1. But both of them are the way the Lord seeks to bring deliverance. And I would contend for us, Table, in 2020, December 6th, I can't remember the date exactly. I think it's December 6th. This is our wilderness. Not so much a place, but a season, a time, where consolation and disconsolation work together as the Lord seeks to bring deliverance to us. This Advent, we proclaim the good news of the incarnation. Yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, the birth of Jesus. But here and now, as we ready ourselves to behold the dawn, we sit in a kind of dark wilderness. Between the heartbreak of the past and the hope of the future lies the hard work of wildernessing. Yes, it's a verb. Wildernessing in the present. What safe haven of comfort does this Advent invitation offer you? How does the Lord want to set you free from external threats this Advent? Or, friends, alternatively, what crucible of discomfort does Advent, does this Advent wilderness offer you as you leave behind internal temptations? The wilderness strips us of external threats and internal temptations to make us ready to receive the new and glorious morn of Christmas. Isaiah 40, again, is getting out of a bad situation. The wilderness is hopeful. It, it, this comfort comes in suffering, loss, pain. The wilderness is then is the space in between slavery and freedom, defeat and victory, punishment and promise. Alliteration. That's how you know a preacher is really enjoying his sermons when he does alliteration. But this comfort isn't a sentimentalized comfort, friends. I want to be really clear here. This isn't a sentimental comfort. 
This is a comfort that demands action, movement into the wilderness to bring about the passageway between slavery and freedom. Likewise in Mark 1, the wilderness to get up out of your house in Nazareth or in Bethsaida and to move out to the Jordan River, which was the boundary between the promised land and the wilderness, friends, is you had to own something's not right here. The way I'm living, the way society is structured, the way this whole thing is going down, it's jacked up. Yes, the temple's being rebuilt. Yes, we've got uh, worship again there, but something isn't right. You see, John's offering of baptism in the wilderness was a prophetic indictment against Israel. They See, the Jews already had a temple for forgiveness. They, they didn't need a place to get forgiveness. They, they had an entire uh, sociopolitical, religious, economic structure that was being built over decades and decades and decades wasn't finished when Jesus was alive, even. It actually wasn't finished until like five or six years before it's destroyed in a uh, grand stroke of irony. And the washing, the baptism, wasn't something that faithful Jews would do. Washing, the baptism that John did, the only analog that Jews had in Jesus' day to being washed for repentance, this was how Gentiles were welcomed into Israel, friends. So you have a bunch of Jews turning their backs on the forgiveness mechanism in Judaism, walking out to the wilderness and acting as Gentiles in the Jordan River, which was the boundary between the promised land and the wilderness. Oh my goodness. Do you see the prophetic power of this ministry? Do you see now why religious leaders came out there looking down their noses? To do this in Jesus's day wasn't just to go out there and say, you know what, I lied to my kids three times this week. Or I ate too much turkey on Thanksgiving. I think I may be gluttonous. This was a rethink everything about how to live. What's good? What's right? What's normal? What's ordinary? John was offering a new framework for these people to see their lives because they were living in an exploitative, abusive, toxic, political, religious environment that was headed for doom even more so when Mark wrote and decided to begin his gospel with this. And so we see it in the wilderness for both people who are seeking to get away, uh, to get out of captivity, and for those seeking to repent of the captivity that they are complicit in. The external threat and the internal temptation. We see the wilderness functions as, if I, if I may use this imagery, as a birth canal. By the way, this is explicit in the Exodus. They go through the water that's divided, this tunnel of water they come through. And then what happens? The Pharaoh's army is destroyed as the Israelites go into the wilderness. And then there's blood and water mixed together. And this is all birth imagery. God is always birthing his people through the birth canal of the wilderness. We must pass through this narrow, dark, 
passage from captivity to freedom. This Advent, we proclaim the good news of the incarnation for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, the birth of Jesus. But here and now, as we ready ourselves to behold this dawn, to fall on our knees, we sit in sort of a dark wilderness between the heartbreak of the past and the hope of the future stands the hard work of wildernessing in the present. What safe haven of comfort does this Advent wilderness offer you? How does the Lord want to set you free from external threats in your life right now? Well, what crucible of discomfort does this Advent wilderness offer you as you leave behind or reckon with internal temptations? Let me give us two disciplines and then we'll respond with prayer. This comfort, this leaving external threats, this, this Isaiah 40 call to the wilderness to, to move from slavery to freedom, one of the ways we can participate in that this Advent is through the gift of silence. Most of our external threats in an affluent West um, are perhaps um, not life and death as much as they are uh, the fallout and consequences of living in a crazy world. Busy, noisy, making demands, telling us who we are, telling us what people are for, etc. And one of the ways that we leave the Babylon, the the craziness of Babylon to, to tend to the comfort of the Lord is through the discipline of silence. Uh, friends, this is so simple and so hard that it has to be true. <laughs> Just think about how easy silence is. We're doing it now. Every time I speak, I'm ruining it. But we're doing it now between my sentences, yes. But try to breathe and be silent for five minutes without your to-do list finished, without every conflict resolved, without your teeth brushed, without those shoes put away, while your kids are fighting in the next room. Silence is the way that we open our lives up to the comfort Christ wants to bring. Defragging us from external threats, placing us in the comforting arms of the Father, who reminds us, all these things, all these people are like grass. The word of the Lord stands forever. Silence is one discipline that's a gift for us to receive the comfort in the wilderness during Advent this season. What about discomfort? Coming into the wilderness from safety and security, from making ourselves intentionally barren, hungry, lonely, isolated, stripped of normal comforts and crutches. Friends, this is where the discipline of fasting plays a role. You know, we often think of fasting as a discipline for Lent, but it's also one of the disciplines for Advent. The gift of fasting is, is a withdrawing our appetites, could, could be our bellies, but often our eyes and ears and hands, as well, withdrawing our appetites from things that fill us and satisfy us and making ourselves intentionally weak 
intentionally dependent. What happens is then we don't merit some incredible uh, mercy from God. We don't, we don't shame our neighbors and give ourselves a, a happy pat on the back for our piety. But rather what happens when we fast, and similarly in silence too, everything in our life, every internal temptation in our life comes up to the surface. All the idols we've made, all the attachments and agreements we've made, they become really, really present to us. We increase our suffering a bit when we fast. But it's not like we're wearing, uh, it's not like we're, we're like whipping ourselves, but rather we're readying ourselves to be present to God's goodness, to receive his washing in the wilderness as we withdraw our appetites to make room for him. And we do this, we do silence and we do fasting. We, we, we intentionally put ourselves in a wilderness, friends, because the dawn of the Christmas morn, the, the Christmas breaks, um, we, we must, in order to see a dawn break, you have to be in darkness. <laughs> right? You don't see a dawn break in the light it can't break. Dawn only breaks upon darkness. God's glory is revealed in the wilderness. Today, we proclaim the good news of the incarnation. Yonder breaks a new and glorious morn at Jesus' birth. But here and now, as we ready ourselves to behold the dawn, let's decide to spend some time wildernessing between the heartbreak of the past and the hope of the future there's the hard work we could we can give ourselves to of wildernessing in the present taking our place in the isaiah 40 mark one story of readying to receive the new and glorious morn what comfort friends does the lord want to provide for you today what discomfort does he have designs for for your deliverance? Let's spend some time responding in prayer as we offer ourselves to the Lord in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.